Hello and welcome to The Root Gospel Ministries. We're so glad you're here. I'm Josh and this is Sam. Our mission includes spreading the gospel, cultivating fellowship, and pointing to Christ, all while incorporating the Word of God to help serve God, community, and the world. Hello and welcome to The Root Gospel Ministries. I'm so glad that you're here and I'm so glad that we can bring the Word to you today. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your friends and family. And thank you to those who came to our Thanksgiving party at ACC this past week. We, I had a great time. Sam had a great time. Seems like everybody else had a fun time. We got some great pictures, uh, made some memories, and I hope that we can do the same for the Christmas party. And the details for that, I promise, are, are to be determined, but we'll let you guys know as soon as possible. So today we're going to be speaking about our second message specifically in the Pride series and we'll be looking at self-worth and specifically what God says about us and viewing ourselves that way. But before we get into all of that, I would like to just say a quick prayer and, and thank the Lord for just this opportunity. <clears throat> Dear Lord, thank you so much for enabling all of us to come together through YouTube and through so many other uh, virtual mediums. I'm just so glad for all of these different ways that you've allowed us to connect. Thank you so much for the Root Gospel Ministries. It's been such a blessing to my life just to be a part of it in, in any way. And I, I know that I am so inadequate for this position and this message that I'm about to give, but I pray that you can speak through me and work through me and, and reach the audience with what they need to hear. Um, Thank you so much for pointing out our iniquities and showing us truly who we are, Lord. Uh, I, I pray that we can continue to recognize what you did for us through your Son, just how powerful that really is and, and what it really means for us and how can we apply it to our lives today. Uh, thank you so much for just the greatest gift of all time. And, and I, I, just, I, I pray that I can recognize that as well. Uh, help me to speak your word and to speak life into those listening today. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, everybody. So again, thank you so much for, for tuning in. So today, uh, before we really, really get started, I want to make four assertions that I'm going to take from someone named Dr. Bennett. And uh, these four assertions are imperative for what we're going to be speaking about in, in the coming um, even weeks, but specifically this, this message in the coming message. And um, they have four different scriptures with them, so, so let's kind of see what they are. They're Dr. Benson's four assertions for seeing yourself as God sees you. So number one, uh, God says that I am created in his image, a reference to Genesis 1:27. Number two, God says that I am a loved child of God, of, of the sovereign God, uh, and that is a reference to John 1:12. Number three, God sees me as beautiful, uh, song of songs, 4-7. And then number four, uh, when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus, which would be 2 Corinthians 5-21. So these are just really important for what we're about to say, so keep those in mind as we keep going. Specifically at the end, we're going to be referencing them. Uh, but I, I would just want you guys to keep those in mind in terms of how they are truths for who we are and how God sees us. And then what that means for self-worth. So, of course, I, I think I kind of alluded to this in my first message about arrogance, but some of the things that we said are prideful, aren't typically coupled or, or connotated maybe with, with pride. 
um, specifically maybe anxiety or, or self, self-esteem issues. Yet, what I want to start with is how is a low self-esteem, or, or specifically a very, very low self-esteem, a pride issue? You know, you, you might think it's quite the opposite, and I would kind of say the same. Um, but what we want to look at is um, how, how these are connected. So the first thing I, I want to make, the first claim, is that as humans, we inherently have no worth. But God, the good news through this, the gospel tells us that we receive all of our worth through Christ Jesus. Um, so here are maybe four ways that we maybe have low self-esteem, or, or four ways that uh, arrogance and low self-esteem are connected. So the first one is that we claim to take God's position of judge. And this would be a reference to James 4.12 where it says that God is the sovereign judge. He is the only judge. And what we need to see here is this is really, it really works well with arrogance when we were speaking about how it's the attempt to exalt oneself to God's position. Um, And that was our definition from the arrogance message about pride. And that's how it specifically connects to what we're saying today. And another one would be Uh, Through comparison, we desire others' approval, but even more, we kind of feel like we deserve others' approval. And we can see that uh, in the older brother from the parable of the lost son, or as I would maybe say, the parable of the lost sons. And um, I'm going to read a quote from John Bloom of Desiring God. And he wrote this um, about having low self-esteem. And he says, uh, when someone has low self-esteem, one is thinking... Uh, quite highly of oneself indeed, and they are maybe sad, ashamed, and frustrated that they cannot garner the admirations of others that they desire. And, and I mean, he, he put that really well, just that we feel like we deserve this, these admirations, these, these um, different affirmations from other people. However, you know, of course, as we spoke about two weeks ago, we are in no way deserving of any of that, that as humans. Uh, And then the next one we're going to speak about is we are claiming that value comes from within ourselves, that we can, for some reason, give ourselves value. And this goes really well with us taking the position of judge. It's the, we're taking the position of value giver. Of course, that's God's spot. And and actually, Sam has a wonderful quote. He was telling telling this to me on the phone. He said, The reason why self-worth issues are pride issues, it it stems from the claim that you are the only one with the ability to give yourself value. When, in truth, God is the only one who can give us value. And so, in simpler terms, uh, we're going to kind of break down arrogance and self-worth and or low self-esteem and how they're kind of opposites but similar in a way. So, arrogance is when we find our self-worth in our humanity. And then low self-worth is when we don't find self-worth in anything. Yet righteousness, what we're called to be, is when we find our value from only Christ, only from God. So next, the next point I kind of want to move to is low self-worth kind of comes when we take God out of the picture. So we're going to move to this by, I, I did some research uh, over the week on this message, and I came across maybe a collection of different causes of low self-esteem. And so I compiled them. Of course, these are just um, from online resources. They're nothing specific, and I couldn't 
put all of them in here, but I got a few. So these are the common causes of self-worth according to the internet, we'll say. Um, so we've got unsupportive parents, social media, school, work, sports, bullying, loneliness, and so much more. And these are all a part of our lives, right? We may not have specifically every single one of these, but I think that we can all find some sort of relation to our life in, in one or two of, of these different ones that I've compiled here. And of course, there are many more that we can find. Um, you know, and so in this research, I came across someone named Robert McGee who wrote a book called The Search for Significance. And in his book, he took kind of all of these different um, self-worth causes, we'll say, and he compiled them into four different main categories. So uh, these are the four categories that um, Robert McGee has in his book. So number one, we have uh, when I fail at something, specifically when you fail to live up to your own expectations. Uh, next is when others don't approve of me. Uh, the next one after that is when I don't measure up. And lastly, we have uh, when I am hopeless. And what I want us to see uh, out of all of these is that none of them involve God. They involve very ephemeral, human-centered things, you know, all, all based around me, all based around the world around me. God is, no, is in no way or no relation to any of these. He's, he is completely out of the picture. And so let's kind of look at them in terms of who's involved. So first we see that failure is our perception of ourself. Uh, next we see this approval one. It, it is others' perception of me. And then um, when we don't measure up, it's uh, our perception compared to maybe an objective standard. And then lastly, uh, when we're hopeless is essentially when we take our hope and place it in anything other than God. It doesn't really matter what it is. As long as it's not God, you will end up hopeless. And all of those are you know, very true, very much a part of our lives when we have low self-esteem. Um, but basically, when we lose sight of God, we lose sight of who we truly are, who God made us to be. And uh, we see in 1 Corinthians 2.14, uh, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So, you know, when we do not take the lens that God has given us, when we don't see things the way that God intended, we are unable to see their true value, see the, the way that they are meant to be valued. Okay. So the next point I want to make is that poor value often comes with taking God out of the picture. We were saying that when we take God out of the picture, we lose sight of the way, seeing things the way that God intended us to see them. But we also lose the ability to value things the way that God intended us to value them. And, and at least for me, this is how I feel. So when I'm in a season of low self-esteem, we'll say, then I often value things of the world in a much more high manner. And um, maybe it's that I take school and, and put it above God or, or the approval of others, whatever it might be, that's often coupled with my low self-esteem period. And other things, I, I might mistreat others or be more likely to do that. Or I, I might um, misuse God's gifts to me. Those are things that I would do in a season of low self-esteem. They kind of all come together in this terms of taking God out of the picture. So now I kind of want to talk about Luke 15. That's going to be where we are. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out my Bible right here. 
And I'm going to be starting at Luke 15, verse 3. And we'll be reading the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. So 3 through uh, 10. Um, Okay. This is what we have here. Uh, Verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The next parable, the parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, and she says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, now that's a wonderful story, of course. Both of those are are really, really important, and they're pretty popular, too. Of course, this whole chapter is pretty popular. But I'm glad that we're able to take a completely different lens on it. So the first story about the shepherd and the sheep, I, I want to just kind of break down the main characters in the story. So we, we have the shepherd and, and the sheep, and, and the shepherd is supposed to represent Jesus, and the sheep is supposed to represent sinners, or, or you and me. Uh, we're all sinners. So uh, what I want you guys to see is that as the sheep is continuing to wander down the wrong path, it, it kind of gets lost, it, it still is wandering down the path, that is when the shepherd goes to find the sheep. It's not when the sheep kind of cries out for help, or maybe it did, but, but the sheep hasn't done really anything specifically to show that it's even aware of how lost it truly is. Yet the shepherd still seeks out the sheep, even when the sheep is completely against the shepherd, or completely um, unable or unaware um, of, of how lost they truly are. And this goes just perfectly with Romans 5. It's, it's a really important verse and one of my favorites that truly kind of expresses our value in Christ. So Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were rejecting God, while we were throwing dirt in Jesus' face after he died on the cross for us, while we're saying, you know, whatever you say about me, God, is just completely false, he still goes out there to find us. He still sends the shepherd to rescue us. Um, we are truly his masterpiece. Okay, everybody, we had some technical difficulties. Sorry about that. Camera's off. I don't know. Microphone's off. Just a little bit of a small mess, but we got it figured out. We're rolling now. So we're going to start again with the second story. So here in the second story, we see a woman has 10 coins, right? And then, you know, there are many different interpretations of what these coins mean, but we're going to focus on three, um, and specifically one of the three. But, you know, either this woman was really, really poor, and these coins just were very, very, you know, they meant a lot to her. They, they held a lot of value because uh, she didn't have many of them. And then the other one was uh, because she was in a society where they mainly bartered, and so typically we spend cash and, and just kind of money in and out uh, but for them, they were trading things, and I guess we're trading, but it was a little bit different, so they would be trading common items. And so uh, currency itself could go really, really far, which also makes it you know, really, really valuable. But the, 
The thing that I want to focus on is that these coins were potentially her dowry. And um, them being a dowry makes them more than valuable. It makes them invaluable because it adds kind of this sentimental connection to these coins. Uh, it makes them so, so very important to her family, to her, um, just in so many different ways. And what I want you to see here is that you are the invaluable coin. You are the most important. And even in our meaningless humanity, in our worthless humanity, we become invaluable, just you know, infinitely valuable through Christ. And this is essentially where the gospel kind of comes into this message. It is through the gospel that we become infinitely valuable. It is through accepting Christ that we gain this just unfathomable value. It is through Christ. So here's kind of what the gospel tells us in a few points. So um, we have a new identity in Christ. Um, we are new and perfect. We are a new and perfect creation. And this is a reference to 2 Corinthians 5.17 and again John 1.12. Next, all of our sin, all of our humanity, everything that doesn't measure up, everything that is just, you know, low below us, that all these things that we are believing, all these lies that Satan tells us, they are all washed. All of our iniquities, everything is washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is a reference of Ephesians 1.7. Beautiful, beautiful picture there. And next, we are fully and perfectly loved by God. Um, and, and this is a reference to Ephesians 3.18-19. through 19. And so now we're kind of getting to the point where I've given you a ton of information about you know, having low self-esteem, not seeing yourself the way that God intended us to see ourselves. And you might be wondering, well, what do I do with this? How does this apply to me? So I made four steps to just kind of put this into your life. How can we implement um, gaining this, this point of view, this perspective that God intends us to have? Um, and so I, I guess I called it four steps to assume the identity that God created for you. Um, but maybe even the perception that God intends for you is better. So step number one is we need to accept Jesus. Or if we've already accepted Jesus, we need to locate where our heart is. If it's in Jesus or if it's not. And if it's not in Jesus, then we need to place it in him. We need to have our heart in Jesus. And it says in the Bible that God searches the heart. God knows the heart. So he knows if your heart is truly in him or, or not. Um, so you're not going to be, you might be fooling me, but you're never going to fool God. So just make sure that your heart is truly in Christ. Uh, and step number two is that we need to gain a better understanding of the gospel. Now, I thought about saying that we need to understand the gospel, but after speaking with Sam and, and you know, kind of understanding how we can actually not truly ever understand the gospel, it is way beyond our even imagination. It is so, so powerful. So, uh, but that doesn't mean that we can't understand it better each and every day. And that's something that we should strive to do um, no matter our circumstances. And then number three, we need to focus on what God has said about us rather than maybe what we say about ourselves or what others say about us or even how we compare to objective standards. We need to focus on what God says in the Bible. And this would be another wonderful reason why we should spend more time in the Word and more time in prayer so that we can see who God truly says that we are. And, and lastly, um, I think that we should live for Christ. Uh, we need to 
after we assume this new identity, we kind of assume a new purpose in life too, where we need to share this wonderful news, this life-changing news with other people. And we can see this detailed in uh, Philippians 1, 21, and then again in Philippians 3, 13 through 14, and then again in Colossians 2, 6 through 7. So, you know, I just want to end today with one of my favorite passages from Scripture. It is uh, Romans eight thirty eight through 39. So let me find it here. <clears throat> it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a beautiful message that is, and what a beautiful message we were able to speak about today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you guys have a wonderful week, and I can't wait to be with you next week.